Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I have a great guest that I think everyone's going to enjoy. It's Joel Berry. He's the managing editor over at the Babylon thing, uh, Babylon B, sorry. <laughs> Babylon thing, close enough. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've got a whole lot I want to get into. want to talk about, of course, you know, comedy. want to talk about kind of the role the B played and kind of all this Twitter stuff that's going on and maybe a little bit about kind of progressive Christianity and why you're always seem to be sparring with these guys oh. online. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, um, let's get into it. Uh, but uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, Joel, how did you get started? Because I get the idea that you didn't really come from like some kind of stand-up comedy background. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I, I'm not classically trained in comedy whatsoever. Um, I, uh, I, I, gosh, well, I guess my job before this was uh, in supply chain logistics. Uh, I, I sold supply chain services to manufacturing corporations in the Midwest. So <laughs> that was my comedic training, I guess. Um, it, obviously, a, a very uh, atypical path into to writing satire. But the funny thing is that uh, you know, I'm pretty typical of of all of the Babylon B writers on our staff. I mean, we're all just kind of regular Joes. Um, you know, we have normal jobs, normal families. You know, we're we're all kind of the people that that would you know be passed over by the the typical comedy world, probably. Um, but you know, who have some natural talent, a knack for this kind of stuff. And uh, you know, the B is a is an outlet that that platforms uh, the kind of satire, the kind of messages, the kind of comedy that that you won't find elsewhere. So we kind of found our home here and and uh, it's it's been a blast. I've been doing this for three years um, and it's it is wonderful to finally be doing what what you really feel you were meant to be doing all along. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that, um, you know, you come from that different background because I feel like that's what makes the B so unique like you said it's just that comedy that you don't get anywhere else i mean a lot of people if you told the average person that the funniest site on the internet would be kind of some you know curve conservative christian site making in jokes about veggie tales i don't think that would make a lot of sense to people but you guys have been slaying people like the onion for years so it's pretty easy to know now right well yeah i i think it's um i think there's something about uh Having having a bunch of guys writing comedy who are who are living in the real world, who are you know who who work regular jobs and and live normal lives the way most people live their lives, you know, as, as opposed to maybe living in Manhattan, you know, uh, writing for the Harvard Lampoon, um, things like that. I, I think there's there's it, it gives our our writing that sense of uh, relatability that a lot of people kind of see. Uh, themselves and the way they think uh, in in what we write um, in a way that you, don't, you just don't see off. And that that was that was my initial attraction to the B. I started myself as a fan. I remember uh, finding them on Facebook early on, you know, like 2016, summer of 2016, something like that. And and, and coming across the headline, it was uh, uh, "Holy Spirit unable to move through congregation after the fog machine breaks." And I thought, like, who are these guys? This is amazing. Um, and it was kind of, I think, for a lot of people, it was. It was their first time encountering something funny, something witty that that didn't uh, hold uh, Christians or the Christian right in contempt, um, or or tried to joke about them in a way that didn't understand them. You know, we we could make fun of Christian culture from a, a place of love and affection, um, and and people really latched onto that, including myself. So uh, that was kind of our superpower early on, and then 
as you know, 2016, uh, that's when Trump was elected and Trump was kind of our foil. He gave us so much uh, material for for four years. It was sad to see him go. We had to <laughs> we had to move on from Trump. But, um, you know, I think that that was kind of our second stage with the Babylon Bee was that um, we could make fun of Trump uh, in a way that wasn't kind of like deranged and hateful and angry. We, we could do it in, in kind of a more good natured way. We could joke about a lot of the stuff that uh, our culture was forbidden from joking about, you know, when, with the George Floyd riots and the, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, gender ideology, all this stuff, all this kind of low hanging fruit that I think you're seeing comedians just now starting to come around to and it maybe just now kind of like uh, dig at these movements a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the B was back there four years ago joking about this stuff when it was completely culturally Im impermissible. So, um, so I think that was, that was really uh, kind of our, our shot in the arm over those four years. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I hadn't thought about it enough, but I think it's kind of obvious why you guys can make fun of, say, gender ideology and other people can't, right? Like these humorless people, it, it, it is their religion, right? And, and but you, yeah. at least you can actually point to funny parts about your religion and do it in a, in a good hearted way, but they can't, you know, look at it at all. But, but Trump is a really interesting point because most like um, most, uh, you know, late night talk show comedians got way less funny during Trump. Yeah. Which is interesting because he should have given them infinite material like he did for <laughs> you guys, but instead they, all they could do is basically turn into after school specials, right? They just were yeah. giving an altar call in every single one of their late night bits. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. It's, and it's a shame because a lot of these guys are, we we've seen them be brilliant before. I know, I know Colbert at one time was funny. He, I mean, his, his uh, satire of, of a right wing talk show was, was brilliant. Um, you know, same for a lot of these guys, but they kind of got this idea the way I think a lot of the media got the idea at the time that, that, that Trump was so dangerous. He was such an existential threat to our, our democracy that, that, uh, comedy, fun, good natured humor, all that had to take a back seat. And they, they now had to use their platforms to, to get this guy, to, to bring this guy down that, that <laughs> kind of like this, this very self-serious, um, they, they kind of fancied themselves as the warriors protecting democracy. And that, that just made them so much more ridiculous. And, and it, it, it opened the, the, the game up for people like us to come along and, and joke about the stuff that, that no one else was joking about. And also to kind of make fun of all the people that were just taking things so seriously during what was like literally the funniest presidency in American history. I, I, I mean, just objectively, every, right? <laughs> just objectively, I don't care what side you were on. I mean, there was yeah. so, there was so much that was funny about it, so much that was absurd about it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, the other thing that I think really helped us too during that time was, you know, our, our Christian worldview, we start with this, this, uh, like this very basic, um, you know, assumption that all human beings have this fundamental flaw. We have original sin, which means that we're all, you know, we're all prone to pride and ridiculousness and, and, uh, silliness. And, and I think that kind of shared sense that we're all in the same boat. Uh, it's not so much an us versus them as it is a, like a, we problem. This is a humanity problem, you know, and, and like, you can kind of look at the, just the insanity of, of human beings trying to, you know, be their own gods, you know, create a new morality uh, from scratch. Um, it, there is something that's just all just very kind of silly about it when you when you sit back and watch it all. Um, 
and it, it's just i don't know it's it's just fun <laughs> there's too much there's too much uh, silliness in the world to not be laughing every day well one of the most amazing things of course is kind of the role that the babylon b has played in this unfolding saga of kind of Twitter here. And I wanted yeah. to kind of pick your brain about this because that's why I named this episode the Babylon Bee effect, right? Because I'm sure you're familiar with the Streisand effect. And yeah, uh, yeah and you know, the whole idea is the more you try to shut it up, the, the bigger it gets, right? And I uh -huh. love that, like the Babylon Bee being censored in a weird indirect way <laughs> feels like it completely like shattered a regime of lies that was being used to manipulate people, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to get get your thoughts on like wh what was I guess let's go back to to kind of maybe a little beginning of this process. So the Babylon yeah. B gets banned for naming the uh, Admiral Levine the the Man of the Year, right? Like that's how it gets <laughs> yeah. banned off of Twitter, right? Uh -huh. What and and you guys remove refuse to remove this, right? So what was the thought process behind that? Like when you find out your your band and why you won't remove it and that kind of thing. What's going on kind of in the office there? Yeah. Oh boy. That was a, a crazy couple of days. So I, I, I remember, so I, I'm the one who wrote that silly joke. Um, nice. And it, it was one of those days where I, I, it was kind of a slow news day. Things were kind of quiet. There wasn't a lot of engagement on the site that day, I feel like. And um, we had just read in, in the news that uh, USA Today had named uh, Rachel Levine, their, one of their women of the year. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, I wrote this thing as, you know, it's not even a joke as so much as it is like a troll, you know, it's like, it's yeah. almost just like, it's just something mischievous to put out there. I, I felt like kind of making some no noise and stirring up the hornet's nest a little bit. And um, so I, I, I threw it out there and, and uh, Kyle, our editor in chief, uh, calls me a few hours later and he's like, dude, I think you're going to get us kicked off Twitter. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, I think I, I want to say it was like the next day or, or two days after that. Um, we were uh, suspended or, or like we were locked out of our Twitter account um, on the condition that we, uh, and we could come back on the condition that we delete the tweet and then check a box saying that we, we acknowledge we have engaged in hateful conduct and we won't do it again, kind of a thing. And so, you know, I, this is the point where I have to give full credit to our owner, Seth Dillon. I mean, it, that was, that was where I was kind of like, okay, you know, well, we need our platform. This is, we can't be off of Twitter. Let's delete the tweet. We'll turn it into a joke. We'll come back. We'll we'll make it really funny. We'll we'll kind of have a wry dig in there at the whole system, um, you know. And we'll we'll keep posting. It'll be fine. And Seth was like immediately, like didn't even blink. Dude was just like, we're not deleting the tweet. He immediately announced on to, on Twitter that we weren't going to delete the tweet. So there we were. We were we were painted into a corner there, and um, and he he took that stand from from day one from the from the first minute, and um. Uh, you know, I think it, it was one of those things that, I mean, it could have gone very bad. I mean, it, it, it could have yeah. gone poorly for us. There was no, uh, it was no sure, sure thing that this was going to turn out the way things have turned out. Um, but I, I really, I, I credit Seth with taking that stand. And I think, um, I, I think that his is an example um, of what can happen if more people take these kinds of stands. You know, we make these tiny little compromises all the time, um, whether it's to keep our platform, whether it's to not stir up trouble, uh, whatever it is. Um, and that's that is the way this kind of, uh, you know, this new religion, this kind of this woke cultural movement is allowed to, to go on unimposed because we don't oppose it. So, um, 
luckily, <laughs> luckily we, we knew a certain, uh, multi-billionaire who, who <laughs> likes the, the Babylon B. Um, and, uh, he, at, at one point gave us a phone call and I, I think he was opening up his, his factory in, in, uh, Germany at the time, his Tesla factory. And, and he hadn't really heard, uh, what had, had gone on, but he kind of came back to the States. He booted up his Twitter, couldn't find the Babylon B and, and called us and was like, what happened? You know, what happened to you guys? And we told him, and, uh, that's, that's the point when he, he kind of said, I, maybe I should just buy Twitter is what he said to our editor in chief. Kyle Mann. <laughs> and, uh, the, I think the next day he put out that Twitter poll that said, you know, do you think that Twitter abides by the spirit of free speech or whatever that poll was, you might remember. Um, and a lot of people responded no. And that kind of got the ball rolling. So I, I don't think that the, the B was by any means like this, the sole uh, catalyst. I think there was a lot going on that was frustrating him at the time that, that, that led him to do this. But, you know, thank God for him. I, God works in mysterious ways. Um, and uh, here we are back on Twitter. A lot of important voices in, in our national discourses are now back on Twitter. Um, and it's just it's wonderful to see. I, I uh <laughs> I'm still pinching myself. I, sometimes I, I, I imagine that, uh, I'm going to wake up, you know, in November, 2016 and, and be told that this is all a dream and, and I'm still in supply chain logistics and Hillary's president, but <laughs> here we are. I like this timeline. Yeah. I, I know exactly how you feel. The, <laughs> the um, I, I, I'm going to hold on to the idea that the, the Babylon Bee was the catalyst for this because that is just the funniest <laughs> yes. story. I don't care what the actual story is. That is the story going forward, just to be clear. I think so. <laughs> like you know, like uh, it, the old Western, when the when the legend becomes fact, print, print, print the legend. That's, that's That needs that's to be good, the legend yeah. that is printed. <laughs> yeah, you guys need to take full credit for this. I won't have you doing anything else. Um, but it is really fascinating, right? Because... It, it whether or not it's the entire catalyst for it uh, be, the the absurdity of banning a satire site for wrong think on by say, by saying something that is vis very true and very obvious really yeah. makes it clear kind of where we at where we're at and what it takes this constant omnipresent censorship that is required to kind of hold uh, the the worldview these the ridiculous progressive worldview that kind of dominates us all in yes. in place right like when all of this stuff comes out and you see some of the background of like why people are getting banned off of twitter and how things are getting manipulated how they're absolutely just changing the rules on the fly to target people like yourselves just because of your political viewpoint or a political outlook possibly it's not even a political outlook it's just a, a basic observation yeah. about reality yeah w what do you uh what do you think about the ability of comedy to to kind of break that uh you know that constant stream of propaganda when you see a guy like elon take action because of something that possibly at least you know related to you guys in in, in a decent mm -hmm. way how do you think that kind of the the fact that that absurdity then triggers a far more important uh, investigation into how the government is interacting with Twitter and shaping politics and pushing people up. Are you, are you, is it kind of humbling to kind of be a, a part of that process in, yeah. in some way? Yeah, I mean, it, it really, really is. Um, you know, and I, I think, in our case, this this just happened to be the avenue. I think that that, that God used it. Could 
if it if it wouldn't have been us, it would have been someone else. I think. Um, I think the 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 thing about comedy that makes it so powerful, especially right now, is is this sense that um, laughter is involuntary, and uh, off, usually it's involuntary. And and when um, when you laugh at a joke because of that that nugget of truth that's in it. Um, you're, you're acknowledging something that is true about the world. And, and what we found over the last four years with, you know, people who laugh at our jokes, you know, and we, we get feedback from, you know, from the left, from people who are atheists, from people who are, are you know, maybe left of center, who, um, who still think our, our stuff is funny and, and because they see that nugget of truth in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, there's something powerful in that, in a way that that kind of strikes fear into the heart of, like you said, there's this this worldview that is it's really a house of cards. It's it's a it's held together by you know tape and and you know uh, like the the slightest amount of of ridicule or questioning, um, and it all comes down. I mean, they 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 can't abide any kind of ridicule because their their worldview is built on nothing. It's built on lies, and so um, I think I think the the reason that the left came after us so hard, I mean, I think for, for a lot of people f- from the outside, it, it looks so ridiculous. You know, why are they censoring comedians? It's ridiculous. But I think the left knows full well, and they have for a long time, how powerful um, mockery and, and ridicule is. I, it goes, I mean, back to Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. That was one of his rules was that that ridicule is one of your most powerful weapons um, against your enemy. It's, it's very hard to... Um, to uh, oppose. Um, it's very hard to recover from. Um, and the left has been using it uh, very skillfully for decades. I mean, I, I've, uh, I've heard interviews of, of like the early uh, SNL comedians, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s, when they kind of first realized that they could actually move the needle of a national election by, you know, uh, caricaturing a, a, you know, a Republican who is running and just making, making them look like a fool, you know. Um, and they, most recently we saw it with SNL and Sarah Palin. I mean, Sarah Palin, I remember the first Sarah, uh, speech I heard Sarah Palin give at the Republican national convention. She gave her speech about how she sold her private jet on eBay and all that. And I, I was in college at the time and I was rooming with a, he was a liberal guy that a leftist that I roomed with. And he watched the speech with me and he said, that is the best political speech that I've ever seen. You know, speaking of Sarah Palin, well, how do we remember Sarah Palin today? We remember her as the lady who could see Russia from her house, you know, the, with the ridiculous, you know, Fargo sounding accent that Tina Fey did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very powerful, you know, and obviously our, our main goal isn't to like, you know, influence national elections and, you know, character assassinate people. We're, we're trying to tell the truth in our own way. And I think, um, that's where the battle is right now. It's it's over the truth. It's over do words have meaning, um, and uh, and and so I think our that's that's why our our jokes have become become kind of a such a lightning rod for our culture because that's that's where the fight is. Well, and it's interesting because another you know one person who we know uh, or what uh, got targeted by Twitter for specific removal was libs of TikTok, which I, I believe <laughs> Seth Dillon, he helped the owner of that account end up kind of creating a career out of that, right? I think helped, helped set that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. That's, uh, Seth is kind of a, he's a, a 
a tech mogul. He's got his hands mm -hmm. in all kinds of things. People think of him as the Babylon Bee guy, but he's he's doing lots of stuff. But it's interesting that both of you, you know, lives of tech talk is just showing what people are saying, right? It's no yeah. commentary. It's no additional content. You, most of the time, it's just a reflection of reality, right? And uh -huh. in the same way, that's what you guys got banned for as well, right? Both of you in those cases, obviously, you guys have a little more editorializing because you're making jokes around it. But but in both cases, you were, you know, removed for the crime of just pointing out the obvious. And that seems mm -hmm. like the most dangerous thing for them is just this simple thing. Like you said, the, the left has been so good at using the power of comedy to kind of shame people about noticing obvious things, yes. right? And it started as comedy. That's the interesting thing. It started as comedy. It started as mockery. It started as kind of coding these things as low class and ignorant and behind the yeah. times. But uh -huh. as we've gotten closer to closer to kind of the progressives having the cultural hegemony, the cultural control, they've lost kind of the mocking ability, right? They can't do it anymore. They've lost that. Yes. And instead, all they have left is this strict hectoring of people and this, this censorship screaming, the emperor obviously has clothes. And mm -hmm. you guys are just, you know, kind of showing that's obviously not true. And those are the things that get you completely banned. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too, that, that makes this kind of funny and ironic is that um, I came from very strict religious fundamentalism. I mean, very hardcore fundamentalism like you know like the you had the outsider and you had the people that you weren't supposed to talk to and the music that you weren't supposed to listen to and um you know i i, I think growing up in that in that world i think gave me a, a very um very deep understanding that you know of of this world of this world of the left and kind of how they see themselves because it really is it is a new uh, religious movement it operates in a lot of the same ways uh, religious fundamentalism does and and i was always kind of a snarky kind of disrespectful kid i was always like the one you know making fun of our you know whatever church leadership or you know uh, i was always getting in, in trouble for all that kind of stuff so I, I this is always kind of a natural transition to to grow up and then suddenly you know i think the christians are are the outsiders they've lost the cultural hegemony and, and now you kind of have this new movement and worldview that is operating in very much the same way as a, as a religion religious movement um just with different ideals and so i i can kind of look at it from the outside and know exactly how these people think and and uh how they operate and and uh i think that makes us really effective why do you think it was so easy to kind of shame not just Christians, but but people of kind of all stripes had a more, you know, classic traditional understanding of morality and kind of norms and traditions. Why do you think it was so easy for the media to kind of use comedy and mockery and dismissal to make people ignore really fundamental and obvious truths hmm. about kind of the world around them? That's a good question. I um I think that a lot of it has to do with the same reason the left is ripe for mockery now and, and that is uh, like self-righteousness and self-seriousness uh, and i think you know a lot of the the mockery that christians have endured in the past um you know is well earned i mean we you know sometimes we take ourselves too seriously sometimes we um sometimes we're afraid of questioning um you know uh sometimes we can we act very self-righteously you know <laughs> um and so I think, uh, and sometimes we're afraid to laugh too. You know, 
Christians have kind of earned this this uh, this reputation uh, for being very dour, uh, you know, sour people. And um, I, I don't I don't say that all of that is earned, of course, but um, I think um, you know being able to laugh a little bit um, at your own culture, um, at yourself. Um, and uh, be more, being more open about your imperfections and your sins and your and your failures, um, it, it makes you much uh, more mockery proof, you know, because you're kind of doing, you're you're taking the wind out of the sails of anyone who might make fun of you, because you're you're already well aware of 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 your shortcomings and you're and you're not afraid of them and you're open about them. And so I think, um, you know, if Christians can can keep doing that, um, you know, being confident in the truth. Um, confident in what's what's right, not not wavering in that, while at the same time, um, you know, being being willing to laugh at ourselves and and some of our own ridiculousness, I think, um, yeah, it makes us a lot harder to make fun of. So I, I agree with a lot of that. I think there there's a lot of truth in, in pieces of that, but I do wonder if one of the issues is kind of the loss of the idea of the sacred right like yeah. there are there yeah. are areas that you simply can't you can't give in on right you can't yes. discuss there are there are hard lines in the sand and i think while it is important for christians to like be winsome make you know be able to take a joke that kind of thing i think one of the problems and maybe this will transition us that into to some things i've seen you back and forth with, with people on uh on twitter about is so often it feels like Christians are actually really willing to cede extremely important ground because they don't take these things seriously enough. Mm. The things they take seriously are their public reputation and whether yes. or not they get glowing, you know, articles or whether they'll take heat from important people and not so much, you know, where I'm going to draw the line on really important issues that are kind of fundamental to my faith and the well-being of the people around me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, I think there's absolutely something to that, and I think that there is there is a time uh, for for seriousness. I mean, the the, the Babylon Bee. I mean, can, you know, comedians are supposed to have no sacred cows, right? Well, that's that's a lie. I mean, leftist comedians they have their sacred yeah, cows, but the Babylon right. Bee. We have our sacred cows too. I mean, there there are certain things that we will not, uh, certain ways in which we will not cross the line. You know, we won't you know blaspheme. We won't make fun of. Um, you know, our, our God and the things that we hold to be holy. Um, and I, I think that, um, I, I think maybe, maybe Christians have kind of gotten it backwards in the past as to what, what they should be taking seriously. And, and hmm. maybe, maybe we shouldn't be taking our image so seriously as we take the truth, you know, yeah. um, taking the truth seriously is going to get us, uh, uh, you know, mocked and ridiculed and dragged through the mud um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but, uh, we should never, we should never cross into taking ourselves seriously. So, um, and, and feel free. Cause I know, you know, the, the, you guys are not, um, primarily political. So don't, don't feel like you need to, to, you know, if there's, if they're part of this question that, uh, you know, you, you want to move around, don't worry about it, but yeah. Uh, one thing that, again, I see you kind of interacting a lot with is uh, kind of progressive Christianity. And I, I've got a I've got a saying that I like to throw out there. You know, pro progressivism will will uh, gut your religion and wear it like its skin like a trophy. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I feel like I see that a lot 
a lot yeah. online, even from people who make beloved children's entertainment um, that enjoyed by Christian <laughs> children the world around. And and so I, I kind of wanted to ask you, as somebody who who does work in the area of comedy, and so you do understand the like you said the need for levity and the ability to not take yeah. everything too seriously, but at the same time it seems like what is it about Christianity that seems to make it kind of susceptible or at least a certain brand of Christianity, very susceptible to kind of this progressive zeitgeist. Why are people so mm. desperate to kind of follow it in kind of the Christian movement? Who? Yeah, man, this talking about progressive Christianity is kind of like where Joel Berry loses his sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sorry. Very, very I, I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I, I think it's, I mean, it is, um, I think what what really um, causes that that anger and in, in, in indignation to kind of rise up uh, in me is is seeing um, I don't know like seeing like evil called good, good called evil, seeing um, seeing evil things being done um, in the name of Christ. Uh, it, it, you know, in a church, when you when you see a, a a drag queen dancing for kids in on the altar of a church, and you you see, um, you know, the cross uh, on the wall behind this this person as they're doing what they're doing, um, there's something that really <laughs> really infuriates me about that, and I, I think um, it it frustrates me too to see see Christians missing the plot of of why we're here um what we're supposed to be doing you know and it's it's nothing i'm not familiar with i I mean i think christians since i can remember since i was a kid christians have struggled with like their place in the world and and balancing like you know we want to be winsome and we want to reach people and we want to look appealing to people um so that we can bring them in so that we can, you know, preach the good news of Jesus and, and, and win them over and all this stuff. And I think like, like anything, like the silly human beings that we are, uh, we're, we're good at putting the cart before the horse and, um, and kind of making the, like the attractional thing that w- whatever we might be doing kind of the main thing that, that like we, we see ourselves as God's PR reps that like we, our, our whole job is to, to, um, make God look really good to the world, you know, by all these great things that we're doing or, the, or, you know, the way that we kind of can conform to the cultural zeitgeist and, um, and people, people with good motives, people who genuinely th- feel they love Jesus and want to do the right thing, you know, who get captured by the, this ideology and them end up defending the most unspeakably evil things um because they've put the cart before the horse and and it's it's just frustrating to see <laughs> I, I think you know phil visher i i have to mute phil visher sometimes because i just like i i'm gonna lose my whole day if i am yeah. responding to his tweets you know i grew up watching veggie tales you know it's like yeah, i yeah, i was a veggie tales yeah. kid um you know and and i obviously don't judge phil visher i'm not in like the uh, phil visher is an apostate camp or anything like that um I don't think we should be so readily judge someone's hearts or their position before God. I think we can, we're going to agree about how to deal with things politically and that's okay. But, um, you know, it, it is, I, I think it's frustrating to see like in this 
current cultural moment when um, when all of the the last like the last two thousand years of acquired um, wisdom um, and guidance from philosophers and church fathers and 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 the scripture itself it's being completely thrown out and um, we're we're watching a culture floundering um, trying to build a new cohesive worldview that doesn't work. And, and the, the most tragic thing you see as a result of that is the kids that suffer as a result, you know, the kid, the, the young men who are lost and, and nihilistic and, and the kids who are gender confused and the, the girls who, who have body image issues and who don't understand their worth. And, and meanwhile, you have these Christians trying to like kowtow to, to this movement. It's, it's absolutely infuriating. It's not what we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to present a contrast you know, like to this this dark world that is is ensnaring so many people in, in lies and darkness. We're supposed to be that light, like on the other side, like, hey, guys, over here, like, come over here. This is better. Jesus is better. Um, yet we want to we want to please the darkness. And it's uh, so I yeah, that's that's why Joel Berry loses his sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I understand that because it's it's one of those things where I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, and, and, and I won't be the first person to say this, but I think, you know, progressivism is is kind of a Christian heresy, right? It takes a lot of the truths in Christianity, a lot of the the the, the things that we're commanded to do, you know, ca caring about people and and meeting them where they're at and trying to and it it hacks that system, right? It yeah. it 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 strips away the importance of you know uh, Christ and the importance of God's word and the importance of the the moral leadership that those things bring and it only focuses on the parts where you're accepting and you're and and, and mm -hmm. it 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 warps the idea of loving someone into you know this this new ideology and i think that's why christianity is is people who have received a gospel that is very much focused entirely on the love and acceptance part of Christianity and never on the like, but also Christianity loves you by providing standards and guidance in your right. life that make things and protect your family and allow you to flourish. Right. People who haven't gotten that side of the story, it's they become very easy prey for an yeah. ideology that tells them, oh, well, this is about love and God is about love. And so therefore, these are the same thing, right? It's so easy to conflate when, when you've completely removed the actual message of Christ from, you know, from, from kind of mm -hmm. the general idea of the gospel. Yeah. And I think too, that, um, at least in my observation, you know, we, we know how dangerous and damaging progressivism can be. I think when you marry that with this religious fervor, um, with people who genuinely believe that these progressive ideas are from God and God wants me to do this, it, I think it makes it like three times more dangerous. You know, when you have this, this this religious zeal um, combined with uh, very very anti-human ideas that dis destroy the human individual, that destroy the soul. I think that that kind of that kind of tends to make me want to really focus my my attention on that that wing of the progressive party because I do think that they're they're going to be the ones who are most passionate um, and, and the most dedicated to that ideology, the most unwilling to. Uh, to hear reason because they have that religious fervor attached to it. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that we, I mean, 
we gotta yeah, we bring gotta, it back we, to the comedy here yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 no. that's fine we can talk about whatever no 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 well yeah I, I, well i was but i was gonna say like this does bring you back to the comedy angle though because mm -hmm. i think something really important that you said there was um the truth like truths about humanity right like the bible and you know in, in christianity the gospel they they do tell us about what we should be and, and what god wants us to be but it also doesn't ignore the truths about humanity right it, it the the thing yeah. that makes christianity so powerful is that it reveals and says things about humanity that I don't think any other religion truly says, right? It, re it reveals things about the human nature and it takes those things into account when mm -hmm. it's then, you know, making us whole and, and bringing us closer to God. And I think that, you know, the progressive worldview is in many ways the complete denial of these things. Well, ironically, while, while encouraging people to indulge in the darkest parts of human nature yeah. it denies so much about human nature and that's where the comedy can come back in again yeah. just saying yeah. obvious things that are forbidden but because you get to say them under the understanding of comedy and you're making people laugh while you're saying them you can kind of rip away all these many layers that have been put between yeah. the truth and people and, and the understanding of who humans are well yeah that's i mean that's the core of this whole thing is that i, I think this is fundamentally a, a a contest between people who say I am who God says I am and people who say I am who I say who I am you know essentially like I I will be like God and we've heard that before that goes all the way back to Lucifer and the and the fallen angels you know I will be like the most high like this is the oldest conflict I mean this is the conflict the central conflict of of human existence is this question who defines who I am mm -hmm. and I, I think like like you mentioned with the comedy that there is something inherently very funny about this little tiny you know carbon-based light form on the on the shore of a vast ocean you know standing before his creator saying you know i am god i am god you know um i i think so much of the babylon bees comedy kind of has that common thread in it that like yeah we're, we're laughing at this situation of these people who um, have have decided that their own definition of who they are and who other people are is the final word. You know, it's my truth. You can't deny my truth. And um, you know, <laughs> it's if it wasn't if it wasn't for the 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 horrible damage it does to so many lives, it 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 would be all comedy. But you know, you kind of have to take the comedy with the tragedy a little bit. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, you know, you don't think of. Um... You don't think of Job as a funny book of the Bible, but that but that revelation of like you screaming at the guy who set the cornerstone of the universe, you know, yeah. and saying, no, I demand that that reality conforms around me. Uh, <laughs> th there is yeah. truly nothing more absurd, which is why as progressivism advances, it can only become more and more absurd. This is why clown yes. world is a real thing, right? Because <laughs> that's the only trajectory is clown world. When when your entire system is about inverting natural hierarchies and lying yeah. about the way the world should be ordered, the only direction you can move is more and more clownish and absurd directions. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And that's that's what makes our job so hard is just keeping up with all the like, what yeah. was it? What was it? Uh, last last week, the big headline from The Washington Post was like that Shark Week was overrepresenting white white men named Mike or something. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
what am I we, supposed to do with that at the Babylon right. Bee? <laughs> you know, like this, the, I think this morning or yesterday, there was another headline about how warning that if you're not vaccinated, there are, you're more likely to get into a car accident. Um, I, you know, again, like the, the comedy writes itself and sometimes you just got to throw up your hands and be like, you know, I, no clue what to do with this <laughs> yeah one of the most common responses i saw with that shark week article was specifically well the babylon b is over like they like, the real new, like we've hit that event horizon where the real news yeah. is the babylon B. there is there is no separation the wapo just is the babylon b front page now and so yeah. how are they how are they going to do any of this on yeah. how much more absurd can we get right i mean it has to end somewhere like that that's the, what i always ask myself like okay you know the the progressive march you know it's it's got to keep progressing it's got to get more absurd like you said like theoretically there's no end point to that so it, like at what point does it just become impossible to do comedy because it's just like it's completely indistinguishable uh from the real world or you know do we swing back which i think is probably quite likely you know we swing back to this more you know maybe uh respectful religious uh, you know, almost Victorian area era, um, and the Babylon Bee then has to poke fun at the right again. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, if only we could have that problem. Let's let, yeah, let if us, only <laughs> yeah, let, let us desperately hope for the reality in which that is the bee's job. Um, uh, I had a thread there and I just dropped it. Um, I was going to talk about we were talking about progressives, ridiculous clown world. There was something, yeah about that absurdity that grab. catching up with yeah. reality yeah i've i mean what did i lose there i don't know uh i'm not gonna be able to show it I'll, I'll kick myself later i'll be like i knew it this was a great question but that's oh. all right we'll do a bonus episode exactly yeah we'll we'll do this again to make sure that uh we get to that one uh but uh yeah it, it does become kind of insane when you're ruling class like I'm sure you saw the. Uh, uh, sadly, I wish we could all scour it from our minds, but the, uh, like the, uh, the military, uh, the different people uh, d throughout the military wearing like the animal uh, heads, yeah. like having all the different yeah. like animal fetish heads and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Like as you have, as you have people inserting that kind of thing like into the leadership of your country and then demanding people take it seriously like demanding that like, like the no like like people with a very straight face trying to lecture you like like uh, like it's um john lithgow from footloose like no you must believe that these people are the most competent people to have ever existed and you live in the most progressive and tolerant society what do you think about that inversion of people who look at the world around them and they they truly buy into the idea that kind of the current cultural zeitgeist is the most sophisticated and the most advanced and the most uh you know well progressive i you know the uh, world to ever exist while also trying to kind of put this kind of you know hold this kind of stuff up as something that should be emulated like mm. how how do you get there how, how do they make that connection yeah i I feel like um, in some ways uh, the advent of Darwinism kind of hurt us quite a bit here because I think what it injected into our, our cultural, uh, you know, understanding is this idea that um, human beings are always, we're on this, this line, we're always mm -hmm. evolving, you know, and getting better, you know, 
you know, it's survival of the fittest. And in the same way, you know, ideas and philosophies are survival of the fittest where, you know, theoretically the best idea wins. And we're just, we're just kind of on this straight slope, this upward trajectory towards kind of this, this distant utopia. Um, you know, you, you, when you listen to, you know, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, kind of, uh, depart from his scientific expertise and talk about philosophy and sociology and anthropology. He he kind of has that bias that, you know, well, we had the, you know, we were cavemen and then there was the dark ages when people believed in religion. And now we're kind of growing beyond that um, to this, this new higher thing. Um, and I think, uh, I think what people need to understand is that um, there's nothing new under the sun, uh, under the sun and that, that human beings aren't quite, on a upward trajectory as, as continually playing out a cycle. I think that, that we go through cycles, there's rises, there's falls, uh, good philosophies and bad philosophies come and go. And, um, you know, when you look, step back and look at it all, we're, it's just, we're just kind of invite inventing new ways to, to sin and to, and to, um, to, to go the wrong way, uh, essentially. But the, I, you know, this new progressivism, this kind of this new woke worldview is, is nothing new. I mean, we're That's not, right. we're, we're going back to, to before Christ paganism, essentially. I mean, um, I mean, everything, everything that we're doing right now is, is, has been done a thousand times before. Um, and it'll be done again, you know? And, uh, I think, <laughs> People need to understand that that yeah, where progressivism is is uh, is not progressing forward. It's going backwards. It's taken us to a very dark place in the in the distant past that we that we that we spent two thousand years crawling out of, you know, thanks to you know Socrates and Jesus and and everything that came after them, um, and uh, it's going nowhere good if it if it continues on its present uh, course. Yeah, you know, in my corner of the internet, we call this Whig history, that idea that we're constantly moving in the in, you know, in the progressive direction. We're all we, yeah. there's always some new uh, hill to climb. There's a you know, humanity is always becoming better. And, the, the, you know, it, it's always the next thing. This uh, idea of infinite progress is, is something mm -hmm. that I think is really at the core of the religion that you're talking about, because yeah. what it does is it allows for the infinite revolution, right? Like it's, you're never at the point where like society's institutions are good and, and you know, like minor improvements could be made, things can be better, but you're, you're always under the impression that if we would just dismantle the things that are in society now, then we can rebuild them in our own image. And again, this is, you know, this is always the satanic promise that you're talking about, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you no, know, you could remake the world. Like you look at the world as it is, you could make it in your own image. Maybe that's the, what binds both, you know, pro, the, you know, kind of generous, the general progressive worldview. And then ob obviously like the certain parts of Christianity that goes direction. It's the, it's immunizing yeah. the eschaton, right? Is like, they're, mm -hmm. they're ignoring the idea that you can't actually bring about the perfection in the world. And so they yeah. push beyond the ability of mankind and dismantle things that should be dismantled, thinking that at the end of the day, whether through a Christian worldview or another one, that they can bring about kind of that perfect utopia. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I always say that um, ever since the Tower of Babel, we've been trying to rebuild it. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it right. just takes one form or another. Um, and it is interesting to, to think of what role technology will play, um, you know, in, in the future as we have you know, blockchain and the, this kind of this culture, this 
revolution revolution in communications with the internet um what does that kind of utopian vision uh, look like with all this technology and you, you kind of get a taste for it with some of these you know world economic forum guys these these people who kind of want to tinker with the human race and and uh and achieve this higher state it's just i don't know i mean if you know history it, it is so laughable if it weren't uh, frightening yeah if it did have such a horrific track record at the end yeah <laughs> yeah well oh that actually that brings me back thank you i think you reminded yeah. me of, of one of the threads i wanted to get to so technology right like one of the things that i think has made you guys so successful is part of what technology has done is they've turned the progressive religion into something that must be performed out loud online right it's mm -hmm. not just enough to keep your head down and stay quiet if you don't post something, if you don't post the square, if you don't post the flag, if you don't change your 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 corporation's you know uh, uh, logo to the pride colors, then the the absence of that performance in public is the real issue, right? It's not enough to it's not enough to just not say the wrong thing. You have to say the right thing in public for everyone to see. And social media creates a, some the kind of this accountability. Uh, where like everyone can everyone can look and check your profile and see if you've done the thing and I think that's what you got one of those things you guys are really good at mocking is like the the performative mm -hmm. aspect of the social media experience that progressivism forces people to go through yeah um yeah that's been, that's been a, a a ripe source of comedy for us for the I mean from like you said from the BLM stuff to um you know the the lgbt movement to ukraine i mean it, like you know it's that the meme the current thing you know we've mm -hmm. the babylon yeah. bee has been making fun of the current thing since we since we began um and it is funny how technology does it i mean it's it's almost impossible to escape from any anymore i mean the, these phones are in our pocket now um and, and yet that same technology is kind of what gave rise to the babylon bee that that we were able to you know um reach this audience that wasn't being reached um, you know, by, through traditional, uh, media outlets. Um, and so for that, we're thankful. I think, I think at the same time, um, these, these social media companies have wised up to the fact that, that, you know, our, our platform was getting a little bigger than they were comfortable with. So that's when you see the, the you know, the shadow banning with Twitter, Facebook's even worse than Twitter. I mean, Facebook's a, just a disaster. We, um, after, uh, I think in October, uh, before the 22, the 2022 election, um, Trump shared a Babylon B article on Twitter. Um, and within a week, our engagement on Facebook was just gone just, and it hasn't recovered since it's just like someone pressed a button and it was gone. So that's, you know, while the internet does have this incredible power to, you know, like what you do, you know, you can reach this audience that you would never otherwise be able to reach. There is that sense to where, when you start kind of consolidating all that that power in the hands of one or two companies you get to the point where someone can just click a button and erase someone from the face of the earth completely you know um and so that's i think that's one thing that conservatives really need to start very intentionally um uh you know count, fighting against is is the um the consolidation of communications and internet power in the hands of three or four or five companies that are all in ideological lockstep. I mean, these companies need to be broken up and that, that goes against so many of our, you know, our Reagan-esque conservative, uh, you know, instincts. But, um, you know, I, I think we need to think about the, the spirit of free speech, um, 
you know, moving forward as opposed to kind of this bias that we have that, you know, private companies are not to be touched. And as, as we know now, they're not private companies, they're partnered right. with the government anyway. So they're, That's they're acting exactly. as, as, as de facto government enforcers, uh, you know, and, and we're seeing that with Twitter, with, with the, the Twitter dumps that Elon is putting out there, God bless them. Um, but if, if Twitter's doing it, we know that Facebook is also doing it. So is Google, which is even more dangerous because Google controls the, you know, the search, the ability to search the entire internet, basically. Um, so it's, I mean, Twitter's just a first step. I think we need to really keep banging this drum that these, these companies need to be broken up and there needs to be some transparency and accountability. Yeah. I mean, if I have, uh, I have a couple projects, but one of the main ones is just taking an absolute hammer to, like you said, this rate, this Reagan-esque idea that like, yeah, the no, no, we're the small government guys. Government can't get involved. Yeah. Like, no, I want to see this trust busted, baby. Like, I want to see yeah. Teddy Roosevelt ride in on the bear or something. <laughs> just destroy these people. Like, I no, yeah. absolutely not. No, like you said, these are not private companies. Even if you hold to that ideology, which I don't, these things aren't even close. Like, these things are yeah. arms of the government to the point where we yeah. have the communications between the people who manage the information on the site, having the direct meetings like bragging about their fbi meetings mm -hmm. like this isn't even close to being some kind <laughs> of independent corporation just you know doing its thing outside the the auspices of the government yeah yeah and i think for so long we we were so used to having this kind of this judeo-christian somewhat moral culture this cultural consensus where you know i think a lot of us had this idea that you know if a company does the right thing if they do the moral thing they will be successful you know or or almost even you could even go like the ayn randyism you know that this idea that you know you do you you act in self-interest and that's gonna that's gonna translate into kind of the good of of you know of everybody it's gonna translate automatically translate into human flourishing and i think we were taking a lot for granted there in this this you know amazing christian culture that we had um and that consensus is no longer there. I mean, you, you as a, if you own a tech company, you can become a lot more successful and make a lot more money if you placate to the tyrannical regime of China, um, or you know, uh, you know, any number of these 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 foreign governments. You know, you can you can be a lot more successful oftentimes if you do the wrong thing, um, and and so yeah, I think. I think we need to be very skeptical as conservatives going forward of, of any kind of power center, uh, whether it is the government or corporations. And that's something that <laughs> it's so funny. You look at like if you watch Blade Runner, you know, they they play, they painted this, you know, uh, liberals in the 80s were terrified of corporations. You know, they, they, they were all warning people about how corporations were going to take over the world someday. And, and you see in Blade Runner, you know, you have these these big, powerful, you know, corporate governments ruling the world. Um, and uh, and so in, in here, it's finally com coming to pass. And the left has has uh, stopped talking about it because these corporations happen to be on their side ideology or ideologically. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is never a principle of theirs. It was a tool of power when they yeah. thought these people were, you know, when they thought comedy was good at dismantling the Christians they didn't like, they utilized it. And when they thought corporations were keeping the Christian worldview, which they weren't, but when they thought they were keeping that kind of thing in place, they were against them. And now that the corporations are keeping yes. their worldview in place and comedy is a threat to them, they've completely reversed their positions on these things. But I do think it is a catch 22, right? Because, you know, in one, in one way, 
it is essential to break up, like you said, you know, the, the ownership of these companies, right? There, it is essential to, con to do that. But of course, the only thing that can destroy a power of that size is another power of that size, right? Like, yeah. like and that, that's what you're really stuck with. Because I think one thing that we kind of have to be honest about with the internet is, you know, it starts with this really disassembled thing, right? And then kind of AOL dumbs it down simplifies it pipes pipes lines it into like every home and aol mm -hmm. is the internet right like people don't even understand the internet they just click on aol and that is the internet right and then eventually like it shatters again you know aol falls apart and, and the, the other th services are open and people go everywhere on the internet but now we're back in that phase where like the the internet is just facebook Right. Like yeah. it, and Instagram, like people don't even, you know, companies don't even have websites. They just set up a Facebook and that is their website because so many mm -hmm. people go there and use that as a proxy that so there it's almost like there's something about uh, and and I have I do quite a few videos on this kind of thing. So I have more than a, a passing yeah. <laughs> theory about this. But yeah, but there there's a there there is a, a there's a force that makes us do this right centralize things power yeah. always wants to consolidate it always wants to be focused it always wants to break down competition and by the way it's yeah. not just power humans react to that humans prefer that and so mm. we're in this really difficult situation where in many ways like i would agree with you like we want to shower shatter this power and throw it you know to to the four winds yeah. But if we don't have the power to do that, if you don't have it to wield against those kind of things, then it yeah. just kind of reforms in, a, in another way. Right. So. So what do you think the answer is there? It, that, yeah, that's that's something I struggle with. Yeah, it could be because yeah. the, the obvious answer is then you've got to have control of the Leviathan. Right. If the, if, Le yeah. if Leviathan is the natural order of kind of the thing, then the only thing left is, is having control of it. But I think as you were talking about history is, is cyclical, right? And mm -hmm. we, it's, it's not a straight line of progress. And I think one thing that happens is the Babel is the tower of uh, the tower of Babel gets rebuilt over and over again, like you're saying. Yeah. And so power centralizes, it becomes too, too much. It fall, it falls under its own hubris. It shatters entirely. And then the process starts again over and over yeah. and over again. So I don't know if there's so much a solution as there is a realization of, kind of an inescapable cycle of kind of mm. human uh, human nature that will kind of always yeah. lead us to kind of this conclusion. I think you I think there's something to that. That's kind of how I see it. I I um I listen to um I listen to Andrew Clavin and he mm. he says something that I really like talking about having a like a tragic view of of life. Um a, a healthy tragic view of life. I, I think acknowledging that um you know that maybe we are a part of this cycle that is way outside of our control and maybe things are going to get a lot worse before they get better um and maybe that's just the state of things you know that's that's how things go and, and like kind of the um the sooner that you can come to you know make peace with that um uh, the the better you know and then you can then you can act in the world and try to to make the world better in your own little way but you don't have to have this this outsized idea that you know it's i'm it's dependent on me to to save yeah. the world turn it around you can kind of like leave the rest to god and i think there there's um the, like the babylon b i mean our, our our very name as a satire site it, it's a it's a reference to the um the babylonian captivity when when the empire of nebuchadnezzar came in took 
took Israel away, you know, ransacked the temple, and they were all slaves of this other empire. Um, and imagine being someone living in Israel at that time it, when it, it seems like this kingdom that God has established is all coming to ruin and it's all over, right? Um, it, you know, but then like we, we have the advantage of looking back at that story thousands of years later um, and we, we have the perspective. We, saw, we see that the, you know, the Babylonian empire fell, the Medes and the Persians came along after it and they fell too. And that's just what happens continually. And, and all, you know, we're, we're exiles too, a little bit as, as conservatives, as Christians, as, as people who are devoted to the truth in this culture, we are, we are kind of outsiders. We're, we're exiles in our own land. And, and I think it does bring a certain amount of peace to remember that, um, it's not on us to necessarily change the cycle of, of, of empires and the cycle of, of culture. Um, it's on us to just be faithful where God has placed us, to speak the truth in, in whatever way he's equipped us, and then leave the, leave the big picture stuff to him, you know? And so um, yeah. it, it could have very, very easily turned, you know, uh, gone the other way with the Babylon Bee, you know, on Twitter. We could have uh, been permanently banned and faded into obscurity, and then two years from now, you never hear of us again. And we're all back, you know, getting jobs in supply chain management again. And, and uh, but that, that's not how it turned out in this case. I mean, go figure. Um, all, all, all we have to worry about, as far as I'm concerned, is just, you know, every day, um, how, I, how am I going to speak the truth? How am I going to do it as, as lovingly as I can and, and, uh, and leave the big picture stuff to him? Because sometimes, you know, the world's richest man will come around and just smash your enemies for you, right? Um, yeah, I was, on, pretty... I was on the news the other day and they were like, uh, you know, like, so what, what's your advice for people who are uh, facing censorship and, and uh, things like that? And I was like, well, you just have to know a billionaire. I don't know what to yeah, tell you. Just be friends with billionaires. That's <laughs> just be friends with like, Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah no, that's, that's entirely reasonable. No, I, I like what you said there, though, because... Yeah, I get accused of uh, a black pilling every once in a while, <laughs> like all the time, actually. And yeah. and what I try to explain to people is like that's not what I'm trying to do. Like, as someone who who like went through through like a pretty deep tragedy at one point in my life, like one mm -hmm. of the things that you have to come to grips with 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 God is like you truly are not in control. Like, you know, that in theory, right? Like you're told to like yeah. rest in God and, and trust in, and those kind of things and understand at the end of the day that, you know, this is not all about you and you're, you know, you're not the main character and, and all mm -hmm. those kind of things, but it's another thing to truly touch it in a way that like, you have no other option. Like, okay, this mm -hmm. is completely out of my hands and there is nothing I can do except, yeah. you know, trust this. And, and I think people need to, learn that lesson while also understanding that that doesn't mean that like you get out of doing hard things, right? Like right. No, no, nothing yeah. in the Bible promises you a life of, you know, sorry, Joel Olstein's wrong guys. Like you, like you're, you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're going to have to, you're not going to necessarily have a great life. Like life could be hard. Life could be suffering. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you get to check out. And that doesn't mean that you don't have honorable, important, heroic things to do even if the times around you are difficult, even if you're in a moment of Babylonian captivity, even if you're in a moment of collapse, that doesn't, you, you don't get to throw away your responsibility to yeah. follow God and take care of the people around you and make a positive impact in your world. Even if you are in some ways bailing out a sinking ship at the moment, 
you mm-hmm. don't you don't get the option to just call it a day like and there is there is i think uh i think people don't think enough about like the importance of in those difficult times that's when it is the most important to understand yes. that god's going to take care of those things and then you still got a job to do and there's honor and duty and meaning in that you know absolutely i mean i mean we we are going to give an account for how we yeah. spent our lives you know god's not going to hold us accountable for whether or not we were able to change the world but but he will hold us accountable for um you know for our unkindness toward our neighbor he's going to hold us accountable for that time when he was maybe prompting us to to be bold and speak the truth and we shrunk away um you know and um yeah i think the one thing that I always, the, the most unconvincing argument for atheism that I hear all the time is that, you know, well, atheists, you know, uh, we we live more full, meaningful lives because we know that this is all there is and, and we're not living for some kind of afterlife, you know, so we, our lives are so much more meaningful because we're living for now, we're living for today. And it's like, well, I, I don't see how that's much different from Christianity. I think, you know, a, a Christian who is honoring God should be living every day um, to the fullest. Um, because that's the right thing to do. Um, and, and I think we can do it in joy because, um, we know, I think we know the ultimate, we know where this ends ultimately, you know, um, and and where it ultimately ends is that we win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, uh, someday. And, and at some point, you know, our, our King will, will set up his earthly kingdom and he will rule and we won't have to worry about any of this stuff. Um, and so I think that that also kind of brings a, a sense of peace is the as things are crumbling and governments and elites and, and leaders are failing, um, we can kind of have that long term vision of, OK, you know, we know how this is going to end. I'm going to worry about today and uh, and do what I can for others and do what I can for God. And it's it's fun. I mean, <laughs> this life is great <laughs> and there's so much to laugh at. There's so much to enjoy. Uh, there's no reason why why we as as conservatives uh, culture warriors, uh, you know, people who are devoted to the truth. There's no reason why we shouldn't be having a blast doing this because it is so fun. Um, it's so fun to be on the side of truth. It's so fun to watch liars, uh, squirm. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just great. You know, (laughs) life is a gift. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think that, um, if, if we all as, 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 people on this side of the aisle, so to speak, kind of can remember that, that eternal, that long-term perspective will, will be a lot happier as warriors. I think that's right. Well, Joe, we've uh, hit an hour here, so I think we've got a few super chats. Do you still have time to go over them with me? Totally. Let's do it, man. Uh, all right, great. All right, guys, if you have any questions for myself or Joel, you can just go ahead and throw them in there. We'll go ahead and go through what we've got now here. We've got Line Drinker for 999. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, there's a non-zero chance that Joel wrote a uh, low effort headline that ends <laughs> up being the catalyst, which leads to us winning. Absolutely incredible. The domino meme is true. <laughs> That's so true. Well, you know, I I, I also think that uh, the fact that that joke wasn't like necessarily like the funniest thing I've ever written uh, is, is God's way of reminding me that like, this is not you, like you have nothing to boast about. This is my work. So get over yourself. (laughs) That's, that's such a, that's such a true statement. Like, you know, you'll put together these like really high effort, you know, threads or videos or, or jokes or whatever, you know, and, and then like, they don't go anywhere. And then you just throw out that thing that like, uh, whatever. And then it explodes. And then you remember like, 
oh yeah i'm I'm not really <laughs> doing this this isn't yeah it's nice that uh, that he brought me along for the ride here at any that's, point but that's yeah, right this is not all me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's absolutely how uh social media works here uh let's see um got creeper weirdo here for five dollars excellent name sir well done uh, why don't people in our circles talk about AR, I, uh, AI art more? It's mm. basically peak modernity and it's cyberpunk and creepy as hell, but my uh, product button. Uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I mean, Ooh. AI art has been producing all kinds of, you know, sometimes you see, oh, sorry, something exploded. Uh, so sometimes you see these things and they're kind of light, like nightmare fuel, you know, like they're just uh -huh. absolutely terrifying. They're sometimes getting better. They are getting better. They are getting yeah. better. Yeah. I, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking about that because I don't know what I, I don't like when I don't know what I think about something, mm -hmm. you know, I have to, I have to know my thoughts on something and it, it's, it's AI is so new and so weird. Um, I, I struggle with it. I, I mean, so this, this new, uh, AI chatbot thing that people are playing with. Yeah. You can go, I mean, tell it to, tell it to write a Babylon B article or a Babylon B headline. Like go say, write a Babylon B headline about how dumb AOC is. And it'll give you like spit out 10 headlines that actually aren't <laughs> actually aren't half bad. Like they're not quite there, but they're almost there. I feel like in, you know, in five years, I'm going to be out of a job. Like, <laughs> you know, writing... yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I, I mean, in the, in the art, too, is, I mean, are, are we going to get to this point where, you know, creative endeavors, writing, things like that uh, done by AI is indistinguishable from something that a human being might write? Um I don't know. I don't think we'll ever achieve pure AI. I think that's kind of a based on a fallacy. This idea that our our consciousness is nothing but meat and chemicals in our in our skulls. I think that we're soul and spirit, and so that you know, human consciousness will never be able to fully reproduce that in a computer, in in my opinion. But um, it's amazing to see how convincing some of this this AI work is. What do you think about? So this is something that yeah, someone's putting Butlerian Jihad in three, two, one. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like let's, <laughs> like uh, yeah, let's let's scour this from the earth. Uh, but what do you think yeah. about this idea? Because I've 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 entertained this before. The you know um, we have these stories. It seems like uh, something we can't escape, especially in obviously sci-fi, where like at some point you know the robots take over and they destroy us. Like we make something that's too human. You know this is the story of Frankenstein at the end, right? Like mm -hmm. we 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 make something that's too human and eventually comes back and destroys its creator. It feels like an echo, of course, of 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 a biblical right storyline right like we're, mm. we're like like in many ways humans constantly trying to overtake god and and then trying to yeah. you know, destroy god and and then we're terrified of something we create doing that to ourselves but yeah. at the same time even though this is a constant recurring fear in our own fiction we can't seem to stop ourselves right like even though like every single story we can think of is about this like terrifying prospect we still won't stop moving towards creating this kind of ai what what do you think that is ooh yeah i i it's it's kind of like that that um it's that irrepressible drive that we have to to create yeah. and discover and and do new things i i mean that's funny that you talk about this idea of it almost reflecting a, an almost biblical story. I've, I've thought a lot about, you know, you read the book of Revelation and it talks about the Antichrist, you know, and like people is, what if the Antichrist is going to be an AI? You know, what if it's some kind of like an ant, like a mockery of human life that is, you know, made by human hands um, that we kind of set up as, can you, can you not imagine like the elites of the world creating an AI and saying, okay, like 
this is our God now. Like this is a like this is the most intelligent uh, entity that's ever existed. It theoretically is going to spit out all the right answers. So we're just going to we're going to abandon our our governments and <clears throat> and serve this AI. I can just I can see that happen. I can see like a Klaus Schwab uh doing something like that <laughs> yeah no it, it is uh is it a very terrifying there there's a very real sense in which ai might be a demon from the future but that's another um you know like Ooh. i don't want to get too i don't want to get too to, esoteric we need, to, um, we need to dedicate a whole podcast to ai to i think that'll be ai and, and whether or not it's yeah but, uh, but I, saw, yeah, I, I shared a video uh a few days ago um uh, from it was a it was a a pitch meeting from Studio uh, Studio Ghibli um, Hayazaki the the famous animator who's dead now the Japanese animator he made some of those amazing uh, hand drawn films uh, like Spirited Away and uh, Ponyo I can't think uh, of who, other ones at the top of my head but he he was uh, he, some people were in his office uh, pitching him this this AI um, animation that would use machine learning and and uh, uh, eventually kind of mimic the way human beings move. But as it starts out, you know, it's kind of like this corpse, like shuffling along the ground in this really creepy way. And it just takes time for it to start kind of learning how to move. And Hayazaki's watching this and he's like, um, this is, this is, this is a mockery of life. Why would you even create this? And then he shakes his head and he's like, I think we're in the end times. <laughs> and so I, yeah, there's just this, there's this, this something about it that just uh, doesn't bode well to me when I see it. Yeah. And uh, JN's here knows where my brain is going. Nick land intensifies. Yeah. It's that's, that's what I was chasing down at some point. I'll have to see if I can, if I can coax Nick's land, Nick land on here so he can embarrass yeah. me, but way smarter <laughs> than I am, but we might have to make that happen. All right, guys. Well, I think we got through all the super chats here. Let me just double check while we're doing that. Uh, Jay uh, or Joel, uh, where should people look? Is there anything uh, coming up? I know you've got a, a book or two or more. Yeah. Uh, what, what should people look at from you? Yeah, so our, our latest book is The Babylon Bee Guide to Democracy. It's kind of our, our little silly civics course for how American government works. It's a, it's a funny picture book, kind of a toilet reader. You can open it up to any, any page and, and there's going to be something funny on there. Um, it's on sale now. I, I highly recommend picking that up. Um, and then, you know, you, obviously you can find us at thebabylonbee.com um, and, and you're going to see a lot of satire there that you won't see on social media if you just typically follow us on Twitter or elsewhere. Uh, there's a lot that we that we post on the site that you won't see. Um, and we always appreciate your support. So, I mean, our, our uh, engagement has been suppressed by social media quite a bit. Uh, we're, we're primarily subscriber supported now, so I encourage you to subscribe. Follow me on Twitter um, and, uh, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we do. Yeah, guys. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone here knows about the Babylon Bee. Like my, like you know, everyone I know is subscribed. But if somehow you aren't, make sure that you're uh, plugging into all those different options. And then, uh, if it's your first time here, of course, uh, you go ahead and subscribe. If you are uh, watching online, but you want to uh, do the podcast thing, the Blaze is moving everything from here on over the podcast platform. So got the Oren McIntyre show on the po all the major podcast platforms. So if you do subscribe over places like Apple, please make sure to go ahead and give like that rate and that review. That really helps a lot. Uh, it was already moving up into like the, the 70s or something, just even they hadn't even done anything with it yet. So really <laughs> excited to see you guys keep uh, keep going over there, uh, subscribing, everything. Really appreciate it. 
thanks everybody for coming by. Had a lot of interesting questions. Appreciate that, guys. I think I hit everything else. All right, we're good. All right, well, thank you once again, Joel. And as always, everybody, we'll talk to you next time.